So this morning, our title is The Face of an Angel. And for you 40-somethings, please don't sing the song. All right? But I want to start with this idea that's out of our theme. I haven't spoken a lot to this theme because it just came to us around Easter time. It's on the banners behind me. It is this idea out of 2 Corinthians 5.17 about being a new creation. And, and as we get into that, this fits perfectly with what we'll see from the story of the early church that God has for us today. Just so you're aware, if you've walked through the door, we're in the book of Acts. And so you can turn in your scriptures to the book of Acts. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll bring you one. Uh, go ahead and keep that up, and we've got someone that will bring it to you. Um, there we go. We need one right there. And uh, Acts is in the New Testament, about two-thirds of the way through your Bible if you open it up, right after um, the Gospels, right after John, right before Romans. And we're going to be in Acts 6, 8 through 15. So this morning, let's look at the passage. As we tear this apart, uh, we don't have a lot of verses, but we have a lot in those verses to examine, and to apply into our own lives. So let's break this down. We have just come out of the choosing of the seven. The apostles uh, had a bit of a conflict, a bit of a controversy on their hands in administrating this new growing church. It was growing so fast that they had some challenges in taking care of everybody. And they did a great job of leadership and appointing Men who had a good reputation, men of the faith, men who uh, not only would do a good job of what was tasked to them, but that they would be a godly example. One of those men is Stephen. And this is where Luke decides to spend some time in the telling of the story. As we come out of this passage of the, the church hitting a hiccup, doing a great job of, of learning how to develop leadership, right? And then it says the church continued to grow, so much so that even some of the priests came into the church. Some of the priests were affected by the gospel. Oh, that we can be a church like that. That, that we handle our business so well and so effectively as leaders that we eliminate as many uh, road bumps, hiccups, whatever you want to call it, curveballs, that even the priest, even the most unlikely person, comes to see the power and love of the gospel of Jesus Christ and becomes part of this. Now Luke says, let me tell you what happened next in the life of the church. And so pick it up in verse 8 this morning. It says this, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then secretly, they, they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred, <clears throat> they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses 
who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw his face was like that of the face of an angel. What a mysterious way to finish this story, this segment. Now understand that what we're looking at is that Stephen is filled with power and grace. All right, It speaks to his character. We'll get to that in a minute. We're just going to kind of massage what we read here. And it says that he was performing signs and wonders. This is kind of the moniker of the church, is doing signs and wonders. So Stephen is being used by God to move the gospel forward with power. That's a threat. That's a threat to the established leadership of the synagogues. And it looks like many of those leadership or, or many different people from different areas and geography and, and, and townships and regions were still gathered there in Jerusalem and probably inquisitively wondering what's happening with this group. And so they find Stephen's message, and not just his message, but they find his actions powerful. And now there is a power struggle. Now what is the old politic game when there's a power struggle? Doesn't matter if it's true. Let's run it out there. And if we say it loud enough and if we say it often enough, we're going to crush our opponent. Politics doesn't ever change. And it's fascinating because what Luke says, and understand what you're reading has been, has been penned, has been canonized decades after these actual events. And yet for some reason, Luke, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God, in essence, feels that this is important for you and I to know this morning. This made the cut. So here's this new deacon, a Greek, who is full of power, doing signs and wonders, full of wisdom, and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the establishment doesn't like it again. Does it seem like we keep running into this story? You're going you're gonna to hear it over and over, folks. And not only here in the first century, this is what we struggle with today. What did we just pray for? This is what we just prayed for. But here's what's so odd. It's just like this enemy from 2,000 years ago. They didn't learn. And this enemy today doesn't learn. That when you put the screws to God's people, when those individuals understand that they are a new creation, in Christ Jesus. When they start to understand exactly what Hanny read out of 1 Peter, that it is a privilege to suffer for Jesus Christ. And that He will carry you through that. And in some cases with the face of an angel. That because of that, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. 
Somehow they don't learn this. Now we look just a few pages before, just a few days before in the story, in the narrative, that there was a very wise man that was part of the Sanhedrin, Gamaliel, and what did he say? Look guys, we need to knock this off. Now I don't know if he went on vacation here, I don't know where he is, but they didn't learn their lesson. But Gamaliel said, guys, if, if this is of God, you, you're, this is pointless. We're going to lose this battle. I think it's no mystery as to why just eventually after that we see this, this transference of some of the high priests, or not the high priests, but some priests came into the gospel, came into the church. So this morning as we look at this, let's break this down. Why would I mention that we're a new creation? Because Stephen was a new creation. Stephen didn't have this action happen that Luke chronicalizes in verse 15. He doesn't just have this happen because he happened to be there. It's circumstantial. This happens in his life because he's a new creation. Brothers and sisters, we are sinners by nature. One sin. How many of you say you've never sinned? Raise your hand. Okay, good, because if you raise your hand, you are now off your mark and you will have sinned, okay? All it takes is one sin, and that creates this barrier between us and Jesus Christ, or us and the Father. And so God, not thinking that that was okay, what does He do? He makes a way that's personally hurtful. He makes a way that was impossible for us to take care of that penalty. He does it through His Son, Jesus Christ. Only through that sacrifice could the penalty for sin be, be paid. But on our end, it is our faith in Jesus Christ, our faith in the cross and the resurrection, that when we stipulate that faith and we say, Jesus, I recognize You, that You are the Son of God, that You died on the cross, You rose on the third day, and You are Lord over all. I don't fully understand everything, but when I get to that point, it says You are saved. Saved from what? Saved from damnation. Saved from hell. Saved from your own problems. Saved from the other people's problems. Saved from the lack of opportunity to thrive in the midst of the storm. Amen? You are a new creation. Behold, all things are new. The old has what? Passed away. You no longer need to be a victim. This is a lot of what Celebrate Recovery preaches. So we're a new creation. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I want you to hold on to that idea as we look at five specific marks of the new creation in Stephen. Let's examine this gentleman's, this uh, stalwart of the church, this um, hero of the church. Number one, Scripture says in verse 10, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. That Stephen's focus was marked by the Holy Spirit. His focus wasn't on politics. His focus wasn't on economics. His focus wasn't necessarily on his own challenges, his own success, his matriculation for success in college, and then the trades and, and so forth and so on. He became a new creation because his focus was through the Holy Spirit. Secondly, wisdom is one of the five specific marks of Stephen. By the way, where am I getting this? You can see it right here. Uh, verse 10 says, and this is part of our, our dialogue this morning, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. 
verse 10 as well, speaking about his wisdom. So Stephen's speech. Have you ever had that accusation levied against you? That person's really wise. How would that look? Well, it would look like this. When all of a sudden you kind of get a phone call or you get an email or someone's texting you saying, hey, you know, I've got this individual that, that's looking for some help and I'm just not sure, would you be willing to talk to them? Do you know why you're getting that text, that phone call, that email? Because you're perceived as one who is wise. You're perceived as one who the Word of God is working through actively because you are a new what? Creation. Amen. We're going to get better at that, I swear. We're going to get better at it. He was also marked by faith. Stephen's character was marked by his faith. Now we go up to verse 5, right? Now we've got to look at the context. And it says, And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Full of faith. What does that look like? I think it's someone who every part of them is focused towards living the life of faith towards absorbing, grasping hold of, shining forth what it means to walk in faith, to live in faith, to let that which cannot be seen be the delta, the apex of how you live. Do you know someone whose life is characterized by faith? Stephen was characterized by faith because he's a new you are getting better. See, I'm a man of faith. I believed you would get better. I believe we're still going to get better. He's also characterized by grace. Now, we use these terms. This is all Christianese, right? Faith, grace. Does anybody here in the room not understand what we mean when we say, Stephen was characterized by grace? By the way, I'm raising my hand. Because, you know, that, that's a trick question. Nobody, if somebody's like, no, I don't really... I don't want to be the only one raising my hand, so I'm not going to do it. Thank you. Anybody else? That when it comes, yes, thank you. Anybody else? You are, you are characterized by courage. Thank you. To be characterized by grace, grace is this concept of giving something when it's not deserved. Mercy is the idea of not dealing out justice where justice is required or penalty should be exacted and so the person who would deem the justice and the execution of that justice withholds their hand that's mercy grace is when somebody slaps you in the face throws a crown of thorns on your head scourges you and nails you to the cross and you from that cross say father forgive them that's grace and so this typified Stephen. That he would give to those who don't necessarily deserve. Are we a society that that's who we're marked by? I was listening to a, a radio broadcast today talking about giving, and, um, or yesterday actually, and just amazing how often you see these things on uh, uh, the internet or Facebook or, or news publications about how much these billionaires give and what they give to and, and so forth and so on. You know, so much of what grace is that, is that we give 
to those who may not deserve. We don't do it for our own benefit. We do it wholly for their benefit. Even though there will be no return for us. Even though there may be even more persecution for us. We give grace. This is what grace is. And this is one of the five marks of who Stephen was. His ministry was marked by grace. We see that in verse 8. Lastly, the fifth specific mark of the new creation in Stephen was power. Stephen's life was marked by power. We see it in verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and what? Power was doing great wonders and signs among the people. 15 also reflects this. It says, And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. There was something abnormal happening with this guy. And see, when those things happen, people tend to gravitate towards that individual. They want to know what it is about this individual. They see something powerful within this individual. And they say, this is a new... Yes. As we look at Stephen's life, there's a bold understanding of what it means to be a new creation. But if we just look at Stephen's life and we categorize that under well-learned, this was a great documentary on the History Channel, right? We've got some, some strident knowledge. And then we just leave it there, like last week's history test, right? How many of you remember your, your AP government test your senior year? Maybe we'd be much better as a society if we did remember those things. I don't know. You know, the point of studying what God is doing in people, remember what we're saying here, is that these are five marks of a new creation. Who we're looking at just happens to be Stephen. Why don't we turn it around and see how that works for us? Shall we? So get your pens out. And hopefully you've got that green, beautiful green, just a beautiful color. You can't, you can't ignore it. You can't miss it. It's in your bulletin. Pull that out because you're going to write in some things here. All right? As we get ready to look at these five specific marks of the new creation in the current day disciple of Jesus, not Jesus, but the disciple of Jesus, that would be us, there's a couple things that I want to bring out and, and point out. Uh, I, I don't want to lose track of that, that there's so much here we can't preach on all of it, but there is one thing I want to be specific to because the, the text gives us the opportunity to speak to this. Now this is one of those texts that gives you a list, right? And I deserve an A in preaching today just for pronouncing those names semi-correctly. Okay, I'm, I'm giving myself an A. I'm full of pride, not grace, okay. It says this, And some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of all the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. So why does Luke, decades after this event, go to such trouble to record these guys? It's because he's got a bounty out on these guys, and he's letting the whole church know. Why don't you go to those? No. He had his reasons. One reason biblical scholars may think is what you're going to see come up in the next passage. And later on, 
in the story of the early church? What great saint are we working towards that we see a tremendous new creation in the book of Acts? Paul. Now, there is strong speculation and understanding that what is going to happen coming up to Stephen in this story, that Paul, who prior to his conversion, prior to his new creation, his old person, was probably part of this Sanhedrin. He was probably well acknowledged, and he was from one of these areas. History shows us the details of that. And Luke may have been giving reference to this even decades after. Even after Paul had converted from Saul, had come into this new creation, Luke writes this. That Paul, prior to knowing Jesus Christ, was one of the ones that was going against Stephen, that was so angry and so demonstratively and purposefully upset. I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss for the adjectives I need here. He was consumed with destroying the church. That's what we need to know. Now Stephen's his target. Because he's a new creation. And it's changing the landscape of God's people. So, Paul, who prior was Saul, Saul at this point, along with his brothers, are out to destroy this saint. Now this is interesting, right? Because this is penned decades after Saul meets Christ, comes into his own new creation. Aren't we supposed to forgive In Jesus Christ, the old has passed. You just heard the verse. All things are new, so why are we holding on to this? And, and I could see maybe like a distant cousin of Saul's or Paul's if, if he had one. He's like reading this. And he's like, whoa, wait a minute. Why did you put that in about my uncle? Like the guy wrote over a third of New Testament. God's on his side. Why are you bringing up his trash? Here's one of the dangers about this concept of forgiveness. Absolutely, Saul was forgiven. Absolutely, Saul was made a new creation. But here's one of the trappings that we have when we preach forgiveness. In, and I've experienced this as a youth pastor. I have experienced this as a pastor. That we will get in... I actually believe it's, it's the enemy. It's Satan that gets into our minds, gets into our hearts, and convinces us to embrace sin for a moment because we're going to capitalize on forgiveness or cheap grace. Now, will God come through with His forgiveness? Yes. Will there still be history? This is the part that's never preached. That's why I'm taking the time to do it. So young people, middle people, orange people... (laughs) Women, male, female, slave, free, whatever, Gentile, Jew. Listen carefully. 
When we try to put too much emphasis on grace and forgiveness, so I'm just going to go and do this over here. No, you are a new creation, and that looks a certain way. You want that power? You want that grace? You want that faith? Then you walk this way. Because if you deviate, and it can just be for a moment, there may be a history you will never escape. Will you be forgiven? Absolutely. But there may be a history you can never escape. Pretty powerful stuff. So just contemplate that. Let's move on. Let's stop. Thank you. I just want you to understand, history is just history. God will help you every day, every moment, to stay focused as that new creation, just like he did with Paul. What does Paul say to those in Rome? I'm the chief of sinners. Come on, you all know what I did. But it didn't hold him back from living his life of righteousness, from finding his joy, from finding peace. You see what I'm saying here? All I'm trying to emphasize is sometimes we get confused with this message of forgiveness that we think that there's zero ramifications. Yes, there will be history. The Lord helps us understand that history and move past it as new creations. Amen? Amen. That was for free. Now, five specific marks of the new creation in the current day disciple of Jesus. The new creation, this idea of shining, we'll get to it down here in verse 15, but here's the little challenge for you. Number one, Holy Spirit. I want you to write a name of a person that you think is characterized by the Holy Spirit marking their life. That their focus is the focus of the Holy Spirit. Write that name down. This is going to be a real quick exercise. Number two, <laughs> it's the same as the first one. Wisdom. Write a name in that you know someone that through the power of the Holy Spirit, right, that their speech is marked by wisdom. Write that person's name in. Faith. Write someone's name in that it, their character is marked by faith because they're a new creation. Go ahead and write someone's name in whose character is marked by faith as a new creation. Grace. Go ahead and, and mark in, by the way, this could be a little tricky. You may, say, you may be thinking someone professionally in ministry. No, every single believer has ministry in what they do, what God has given for them to do. So when it comes to that idea of grace being a mark of their ministry, write that name in. And lastly, power. Write the name in of the person whose life is marked by power. All right, hopefully your hand hasn't cramped. And some of you are like, wait, if I can't text it, I can't write it. Okay, I know what you mean. I'm writing in Sanskrit these days. Technology has had its effect. Here's my question, why do we just do that? Because... If I'm sitting here and I'm doing what I just asked you to do, you know, secretly, my ego hopes someone writes my name into at least one of those categories. Right? We all like to be measured. We all like to be measured. 
So I've completely manipulated you at this point to get to this point. As a new creation in Jesus Christ, how many people would have written your name in there? Now, when we talk about examining Stephen's life, right? There's value in that. But it stops short if we don't do this secondary exercise. And the question for me this morning is would my children, my children and my wife, forget the two of them are sitting right there, my children and my wife, would they say, would they write my name into any of those categories? If not, as that great theologian of our time, Ricky Ricardo, said once, you got some splaining to do. If you're under the age of 40, go back and watch those. So where do we end up today? Well, the life marked by the power of God is one who has the face of an angel. What? This is a little tricky. This is a little tricky, and this is what I'm excited about landing on today. You see, here's something that's unique. The result of these new creation marks is the unique demonstration of God's work in our life without limitation. So does that mean that if I typify these things, that suddenly God's going to do this supernatural process where I'm going to have the face of an angel, and what does that even look like? Well, you're all going to look like Janine. You all have to, hang on a second. Back to recording. No. Look, what is happening here? This is a great demonstration in a hermeneutic. This is a great demonstration to understand. Folks, there's plenty of stories here where um, Peter didn't have a face of an angel. Mary didn't have the face of an angel. On and on and on it goes. And so you look at this and you say, oh, well, if I just have these five marks and I'm, I'm under criticism and I demonstrate this, then, then I'm going to have this face of an angel. That's what it means to be a believer. That when I'm under criticism, when I'm under stress, when I'm under pressure, I'm just going to have a face of an angel. And we're all going to fake it around here and around home. It's like, eh, I'm miserable on the inside, but this is my angelic face, right? No. That's not what this is saying at all. How many of you love critics? You love it. My wife can't understand why I'm just continually asking people, well, what do you think of me? What do you think of me? She goes, I don't know how you do that. I said, well, I ignore them all. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. <laughs> but we live in a world of cynicism. There will be those that will, you know, you walk out here today, well, you know, the pastor, yeah, I, I appreciate that point, but, you know, oh boy, I, I'm not sure we're coming back next week. And, you know, uh, the donuts weren't really my kind of thing. I was hoping for bagels. Um, on and on and on it goes, right? Um, why is Matt playing a Martin when he should be playing a Taylor? You know, what, uh, that's one of my big questions. I don't know. I don't understand. We will find the stupidest things to be critical over. Amen? Amen? That's the old self. What do you do in the face of criticism? Because honestly, this is the real life stuff. You're going to face it every day. You're going to face it from your family. 
You're going to face it from friends. You're going to face it from yourself. You're going to think you're facing it from the Lord God Almighty. Stephen's got some critics. He's got a whole crowd. And these guys are famous already for throwing you in jail and wanting to kill you. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you caught that in the narrative. They're drumming up these charges against blasphemy, against Moses, and against what? The law and the traditions. How did they put Jesus on a tree and kill him? Same charges. They kind of know how to make this happen. So Stephen hears all this. Imagine yourself going in for your job review or whatever it is. And the critics are tearing you apart. And then it gets even better because they make stuff up about you. Have you ever heard a pastor or a speaker or a teacher or a Bible study leader tell you in moments like that, Scripture teaches us, informs us, let God be your defense? You see, he had those five marks of a new creation. All five of those marks are available to each believer in Jesus Christ. Amen? What Stephen did is not unique. It's available for every believer in Jesus Christ. But it prepared him to be used. And even in the face of criticism, what did he do? He simply spoke the truth. He simply spoke the truth. And then he let God be his defense. You want me to connect the dots for you? This is fascinating. It says his face shined like an angel. What is the accusation against Stephen? That he is preaching against whom? Say it. Come on. Starts with an M, ends with an S. Moses. What is he saying in effect there? He's preaching against our whole system. But they name Moses. He's preaching against Moses. Who do you think they were an expert on? Moses. Name somebody else whose face shined like an angel that they would have known from history. Moses. Isn't that amazing? They bring up a trumped up charge. And God in the middle of that says, oh yeah? Let me raise the stakes. I'm going to make my boy's face shine right now. And you're going to connect the dots. Go ahead. Try to say a word against him. Because there's a new thing in town. It's a new creation. The only other person's face who shined was Jesus's at the transfiguration. By the way, that should inspire you. That when you are that connected deeply with God, when God is working with you, that we shine. Now, you may not shine with the face of an angel. I don't really even know what that means. But for this moment, in this time facing the critics, God goes right to the heart and performs an incredible miracle to defend his boy. And there's no need for Stephen to stand on his head and prove anything to anybody. Because he had these five marks of a new creation in Christ Jesus. Marks that we can attain to integrate into our life. And then guess what? In the midst of your critics, let God do his work. Let God do his work. I've got two points for you under this. One is living in my power has massive limitations. Amen? All right. I'm gonna, in my power, I'm going to do a lot of things the old way. 
In the new way, living in God's power, it has massive what? Possibilities. Think Stephen would ever, do you think Stephen thought he would ever experience something like this? Now this guy was just a, a Greek proselyte maybe a couple months prior to all this happening. Now all of a sudden he's been elected a deacon. Now all of a sudden he's speaking in front of the Sanhedrin. Now all of a sudden God does this supernatural work through him to quiet his critics. You want to quiet your critics? Be that new creation. Let God do his work. Finishing up this morning, Thomas Jefferson has this great quote, but let me just encourage you. All of this is meant to be inspirational for us this morning. I'm a pragmatic pastor. And everything I have said so far today, hopefully it's true. Let it meet you in your life. I say hopefully it's true. I don't remember everything I said. But if it was the stuff I was saying out of Scripture, that was true. In your journey, in your walk, the moment you leave today, pursue that idea of being that new creation. Grow moment by moment. Let God be your defender and see what happens in the midst of all the criticism. See if the face of the angel doesn't show up in some form. You understand what I'm saying by that, right? But don't expect that that's all unicorns and ponies. And what do I mean by that? I'm not sure. But we use those, that terminology today in our society to talk about some unrealistic sense of euphoria, right? Our euphoria is when we're where? Heaven. No more sin, no more persecution, no more anything. That's, that's the whole package. Our time here is to preach and be those new creations those demonstrations of Christ so that others just like you, as you saw Christ in others, others will see Christ in you and that that shine will come forth. I got a new pair of shoes for my birthday. My son loves shoes all of a sudden. We never have a talk about idolatry soon, but <laughs> he loves shoes. And so... Um, We've been playing basketball out here on Wednesdays, and uh, my shoes are kind of breaking down, so I was thinking, okay, if I'm going to keep playing basketball for at least a year until I die and blow out both knees, why not get some real high tops? And so my son said, hey, I got this killer deal on Curry 2.5s, right? The new Curry shoe, and I'm like, what? I said, I probably shouldn't wear those because, you know, um, I'm a pastor. And Well, but wait, yeah, that's a godly shoe. Okay, I think I'll do it. And, uh, and so he found this great deal, $55 online. Yeah, what? Talk about the face of an angel. <laughs> I got the foot of an angel. And so I order these bad boys up and uh, strap them on this past Wednesday. And I almost forgot how to throw on a, a high top. And I had the games of my life. We had like four games. And Peter Bedros announced me as MVP of the day. Yeah. So, you know, that whole, I can do all things, it's true, it works, you know? You guys need to pass a test, go buy some Curry 1s, right? You need to, you know, uh, be parent of the year, go buy some Curry 2.5s. The only problem 
is that my right foot is a little bit bigger than my left foot. Left foot, it fit perfectly. Right foot had an um, out-of-the-body experience about 10 years ago where it decided to just joyously, and with great exuberance, throw itself into a fitful exclamation of fibrous destruction as my Achilles tendon decided to separate and do that. Oh, I know, there's a, just a groan. You're all like, ugh, right? Think about how I felt. Get over yourself, okay? And uh, so I have this beautiful Frankenstein scar up the back of my, uh, my Achilles uh, tendon. And those people who, like, you know, they take pictures of all that stuff, that's kind of weird. But, yeah, the, the scar didn't do real well with the high top. I've got, I've got this, you know, I can do all things, and I had this great game, and my knees were much better, but I've got this huge blister, and my foot was killing me. It was painful. But you see, I got the results I was looking for. How we piece all that together to finish up today's message, I'm not sure. <laughs> Other than this, I'm supposed to share the truth of God with you. You're supposed to absorb it. It's there for the betterment of our lives. Amen? It will provide a better life. But there's going to be some pain on the way because of the old scars. Now that was masterfully done. <laughs> but you get the point, don't you? So this morning in closing, let me just encourage you, be that new creation. Go back to those five characteristics that we see in Stephen. Start working on those in your own life under God's instruction. Get into a mentor-disciple relationship with somebody. Be serious about your own private time of, of Scripture and, and prayer. Walk in faith. Do those things this week. Extend acts of grace and then watch the power of the Holy Spirit work through you as you progress. But don't just sit there. Don't keep playing in the same old beat-down shoes. Because if you've pursued Jesus Christ, you are a new? Amen. Amen. Let me close in prayer this morning. Another miracle and sign and wonder I finished at 11.20. Not 11.30. How about that? Maybe next week it'll be 11.15. This morning, if you've brought your gifts, thank you. We're just, we're praising God for what he's doing here. And we're going to be giving an update next week as to where we're at with our staff searching. Um, I did announce last week, and I'll say it one more time here, uh, that, and I'm going to send out an email this week as well. So be watching for that. Um, uh, the couple that we had brought in, the coffees, uh, uh, are pursuing other things. So that didn't necessarily, that wasn't what God had for us. Um, there are some other things that are in the fire, and, and so just keep praying as to what God would have for us in all of that. Uh, but the beauty of it is, is that our church is responding in faith. And we've talked about the unity of working together in prayer, um, in Christian living, in community, in equipping, um, so forth and so on. And that includes giving. This is what we learned from the, the passage in Acts and Acts 2.42 and, and other areas. And so the body has done a great job. And, and as I got really excited looking at new pledges to help support new staff, we're looking at that and we're seeing that there's these special little pledges that are, you know, $38, right? 
Um, 72 dollars. Now, there was one for 5,000. I really love those ones. Those are great. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. Um, but here we are saying, okay, we want to take those next steps. And the things that are happening in our church are exciting. It's because God works through his body and we're unified and moving together in this. So thank you. Scripture says this, that, that giving of your finances is not something that's be done under compulsion. There is no guilting anybody to do any of that. It is to be an act of joy. But let me encourage you this. There's always going to be those things fighting in your life to say, you can't surrender that. You can't surrender that. You can't surrender that. I've not met the person yet that when challenged to think about, just pray and see what God would have you do. Whatever that would be, that doesn't come back closer to God and more joyful for the experience. And that their needs are met. Their needs are met. So I just encourage you on that level. Um, let me go ahead and pray and close this morning. Thank you for being here. If you are visiting um, for the first time, I hope you got your little visitor packet, your little visitor uh, gift bottle. Um, and then please be attentive to the things that you need to sign up for um, at the kiosks so we know what we're dealing with over this next week. All right, let me go ahead and close this in prayer. Father, thank you for the blessedness of all that you do in our life. Thank you for the story about the early church and your work through Stephen. Thank you for these five characteristics that can lead us into understanding to a greater degree what a new creation looks like. But even more so, Father God, we give you praise that you acted supernaturally to shut down Stephen's critics. The Scripture literally says they had nothing to say in the face of who Stephen was. That is rewarding. We come alongside our brothers and sisters suffering around the world right now. That you give them that face of an angel. That you provide strength and power and grace and faith and wisdom in your Holy Spirit so that, Lord God, those who are critics would turn into new creations. Speak to each heart today and let them examine their own life and ask that your Spirit do a work in them to become more and more that new creation today. We pray over the gifts that were brought today. Multiply them for your use. Thank you for taking care of our church. Thank you for the abundant blessings that's happening with Lifetime. And we pray over that ministry as well this summer that people would be blessed, ministered to, children would be ministered to, lives would be changed, and new creations would happen. We commit all this to you in the glorious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and by all power and authority. Amen.